Life's an adventure, and it's waiting. Hi, this is Merrill Hodge. At ST Bank, they know life's for the living. That's why ST Bank offers solutions to help you get the most out of it. Whether you're investing in your home, planning for the future, or just making the most of every day, ST Bank is here to help. Learn how ST Bank can help you live the life you want at stbank.com. Member FDIC. ST Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by JD Power. For JD Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Good morning, Steelers Nation, and welcome back once again to the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex. It's OTA coverage on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. It's the Steelers Blitz here for three hours on a Thursday morning. Wesley Euler once again on this Thursday, joined by our buddy Tom Opperman. You know him from the Steelers Standard, also the producer of the Mark Madden Show. Tom, pinch hitting on a Thursday again. I don't again. know. Maybe we should just make this a regular thing. I know. Thing. It should be Tommy Thursdays or something Tommy like that. Thursdays. Because it's just become a regular thing now here at OTAs. So, Wes, I'm glad to be here for the second two, or Thursday in a row. And I'm, I'm guessing I'll see you next Thursday, too. Well, just, just a hunch pen- right now. Pencil it in, all right? We'll, I will we'll pencil check. it in. We'll check. But you can go ahead and pencil it in. Yeah, uh, thanks to Tom for, uh, for rocking and rolling with us. You guys all know the drill. If you've been listening along throughout this process, this is practice number six of nine nice for your Pittsburgh Steelers here at OTAs this uh, today will wrap up week number two we'll be back here Tuesday Wednesday Thursday next week as well you've got Tom and I the Steelers blitz from 10 until one bonus hour of our show and you got a bonus hour of the drive as well too with uh, Dale and Matt. They will take you from 1 o'clock until 4 o'clock, so six hours of live coverage today here on SNR. We'll have player guests. We'll have our buddy Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette at 1040. But, Tom, you know, some days you got to search for topics. Some days you got to think a little bit about where you want to begin the show. Today I think that one's a pretty easy one, and it is the announcement of retirement by Stefan Tuitt, the news breaking shortly after 2 o'clock yesterday on Wednesday, June 1st, that Stefan Tuitt, after nine years in the National Football League, would be retiring. Tom, your reaction, you surprised. Um, yeah, let's let's start there. What, what was your uh, little, level of, of surprise, surprise when you heard the news yesterday afternoon? I think it was on this very program last Thursday that I said, we did a little segment about Tuit, and I was saying, we did. you know, just based on the fact that I think the Steelers haven't really gone super hard in addressing maybe replacing his potential absence is kind of reading the tea leaves and telling me, hey, they think he's going to be back. Boy, was that a swing and a miss. <laughs> As we're here now just seven days later, and he has officially been retired from the Pittsburgh Steelers are from the National Football League. I, uh, it wouldn't be like, oh, my God, I was planning on Steph Tewitt to play 17 games this year and be an all-pro finally for the first time in his career level of surprise. But I kind of was leaning towards him coming back this yep. year. I yep. think you know, that's kind of what we were seeing from the team is that they might have thought that he was leaning towards coming back. But Cam Hayward said as That's much. exactly right. Last yeah. week you had players saying, you know, they've talked to Tewitt and he's in Indianapolis right now working hard, you know. Got his degree from Notre Dame, as we all know, mm-hmm. and that was a part of the reasons why he listed he was going to, I would say, call it an early retirement yeah, for him in yeah. the NFL. So, yeah, I'd say initially just a little bit surprised, but in hindsight, I don't know if we should have been because what an incredible amount of circumstances that he had to overcome mentally off the field and also physically on the field with that knee injury. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that that knee injury was as normal if any kind of injury is normal as people might have hoped it was going to be I or think as that, minor as people yeah hoped it that was. i think that that thing was lingering for a long time and you know you just add that on top of the circumstances with his tragic passing of his brother off the field he's probably sitting there thinking you know 
I this knee is just not feeling as good as it should at this point. Is it really worth it in my life right now to go and, you know, try to sacrifice so much to try to come back onto the field to potentially just blow this thing out again? Right. And then my career's over on my knee's terms and not on my own terms. So I think a lot of things kind of just piled on to Steph at, you know, once, and he took his time in making the he decision. He certainly and, did, yeah. But I also think he didn't wait too, too long in making his decision. It wasn't like, you know, we waited until training camp move-in day and said, hey, I'm not going to be there. You know, both sides had enough time, Steph, to make the decision in the Steelers now to react. They have a, about a month and a half until they have to go to St. Vincent. Yeah, and you know what? You're right. In that sense of the timing, I think it is – it works out for the Steelers. You would rather have that news now. You would rather know, um, you know, right, just have some, have some closure in the entire process. Still if you free will. agents out there. Still we know they were out there. working out some pass rushers yesterday. So. Plenty, yep, plenty, yeah. of, plenty of time for them to address that as we are, I believe, about 55 days or so away from, from the beginning of training camp. Um, and that is obviously now the kind of the first huge test, yes. I think, for a, a new Steelers regime. Right, we've discussed this a lot. I know you guys have on the standard. Moats and I certainly have on the Blitz. We have all across Steelers circles. Whether you're a fan, whether you're a media member, or you know something in between, um, talked about how this has been a a real off season of change for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, Kevin Colbert was at the helm of the organization. Um, you know, I know GM wasn't his title the entire right. time, but but for, for two decades. Ben Roethlisberger, 18 years as a starting quarterback and a future Hall of Famer to boot. Um, you've got a new defensive coordinator. Yeah, T.A. was on the staff, but, you know, Keith Butler is no longer the D.C. It's now T.A. You bring in Brian Flores. Uh, you've got a new offensive line coach. You we think uh, much more influenced by Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator on no the, on the offense. Now that Ben Roethlisberger is retired, a page being turned. Here, There's for sure. certainly the end of one chapter yes. and, and the beginning of a next. And that always with it, you know, comes with, with challenges. There was always going to be, you know, big decisions looming for Omar Khan and company. Uh, but Tom, I think this is, this is a pretty important, a pretty crucial early test for this new era of Steelers football, how do you go about replacing Espe Stephon Tuitt for the 2022 season? Right, and especially when you're, one of your biggest weaknesses that you need to improve upon going into 2022 <laughs> is, that, is that run defense. That run it was defense. the worst in the NFL last year, and uh, you, could, you could put a lot of the credit to it being the worst in the hands of injuries on the defensive line. Uh, no Namely, to it, to no Alu yep. Right. Cam Hayward was a one-man wrecking crew out there. And it wasn't from lack of effort from 97 either. I remember in L.A., he was running down the field after, like, what was it, Austin Eckler? He was, like, 50 yes. yards down the yes. field to make a tackle. Yes. So Cam Hayward was trying his best to be a one-man show, but it's the NFL. You can't be one man versus five and a stud running back and expect to have results. In fact, you can expect to find yourself at the bottom of the league, which right. is exactly where the Steelers did. So that's something that they have to absolutely improve upon this year if they want to have any shot to be competitive for a wild card or even the AFC North. And you have Alu-Alu back. He's here, obviously. Him and Cam getting the work in together. You can plan on those two being really solid, but you need three to, to be solid. And then you need beyond that a good you rotation, depth, I think, absolutely. as well. To, and in order to stay fresh in the third and fourth quarters and have teams not salt away at you with their running attack. So they're in kind of a dire spot again here. As far as I'm concerned, you've got two legitimate starters. Would start Cam would start on any other team in the NFL, Alu-Alu, majority of teams in the yes. NFL. Yes, yes. So you've got two legitimate nailed-on starters there. 
maybe you've got something in Leal. Maybe he can burst onto the scene as a rookie and, you know, really grab that number three spot. Maybe Warmly, the veteran, you know, gives you a solid performance at the Isaiah Loudermilk will be in this equation now you as got well. options, I yeah, guess, yeah. internally. But I think I would like to go out and maybe grab another veteran, bring in another, you know, cook into this kitchen just to, to try to get the competition going. Because, like we were saying, you absolutely need three, but – Having five would be ideal. Five playable guys would be really ideal in the yes. defensive line. That's listen. That is that's something that that every team in the NFL knows and is aware of and is cognizant of. You obviously need your starters and you need those guys to be high level players, but you you've got to have reliable depth behind no that. No question. Yeah. That that's life in the National Football League, right, Tom? I mean, it's it's one of the oldest cliches in the book, but it's a cliche because it's true. It's not a matter of if you're going to get hurt. It's a matter of when. These these things happen to, to, to every team every year. Especially it's, it's when... It's the most violent sport in the world. You need bodies there. And Alu Alu's 35. He's, it, that's where I Cam was going to go Cam 33. Too. Exactly. These There's, aren't spring chickens anymore. We were we were already talking about you know the need for some reinforcements uh, in that defensive line, the need to, to get some youth into that room. And I think, you know again, some of those names that, that we mentioned... Isaiah Loudermilk, who he's he's a guy who's looked great out here these last couple weeks. You know, we, we've talked a lot about the body transformation of of Najee Harris and how he just looks noticeably like he put on a bunch of muscle. Isaiah Loudermilk looks the same as well, too. You can clearly see that that rookie year to sophomore season body transformation for him as well. Chris Wormley had a nice season last year, I, I think. Yeah, you know, I believe especially against his old team, the Ravens. He had a couple of revenge games on the certainly what did he have, like, did. two or three sacks in the one. I, I believe two, yeah. Um, and then the number for him on the year was seven, so that's a good sack number to have. You know, for Chris Wormley there, uh, over fifty tackles as well. But then the question becomes: Okay, you know, we would have thought to it, Alualu, Cam Hayward. You feel great about those three, and then if it's Wormley and Louder Milk and Adams and Liao, right, some of these guys behind them, then you go, okay, like we've got some significant, we like our starters, and we've got quality depth. But yeah. now all of a sudden when Tuit, you know, is no longer in the equation, somebody that you were thinking of as quality depth now has to slide into a bigger role, and then that leaves the the opening there behind him. That's honestly the, as it relates to the X's and O's of the Steelers, that's my biggest concern is – I feel good about Wormley, about Loudermilk, about Leal, about these guys in certain roles. In their right roles. But are you going to be asking them to kind of maybe punch above their weight class now? And that's always dangerous in any sport. You know, when you extend yourself thin with your depth, that's when you can really start to expose weaknesses that other teams can take advantage of. And, you know, just ESPN.com right now in their speculation, because this is all speculation, they bumped Wormley up to the starting left end into its place. I and would had Alu say that, of, too, yeah. I don't know about that. See, no. I was thinking I would put Wormley at the nose, and I would bump Alu Alu to the outside. Alu Alu's gotten some experience mm. playing on that outside at the DN spot. When Tuit got hurt a couple years yep. back, they yep. bumped Alu Alu out there, and it had a lot of success doing so. He is 35 years old, though, so that's the thing. And But Wormley's not young either, so... You're basically asking a veteran to take on probably too much of a workload for either one of these two guys. I mean, Alu Alu was going to be really solid as the nose if Tuit was going to be here in between Hayward and Tuit. Yeah. If he had a Wormley and Loudermilk that could spell him from time to time. Like, I, I wasn't really confident in Alu Alu being a three down kind of player. Like, he's going to give you Correct. 85 to 90% of the snaps. Correct. Like I, 
he was going to need 60% of the snaps. He's going to need a lot of a break. So that nose kind of duties I thought was going to be shared between, not shared, but 60-40 maybe between a couple guys. And now it's almost like you have no choice. If you do go alu-alu there, you're going to have to bump warmly to the outside. And what are you going to have, louder milk split the time with alu-alu? That's not ideal at all. So, right. I, I again, I think it's got to be look out to free agency, see if you can find somebody that maybe becomes a camp casualty that you have you yep. you like more than the team that cut him, maybe find somebody that, you know, is just in a log jam at that position. Team's got a ton of depth. They need to offload a piece. Here's a fifth round pick, gimme him. Something like that. I yeah. think I think you gotta go in that direction if you're the Steelers. You need another body here. I do too. I, I completely agree with you. You know it's 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 funny. We like leading up to yesterday, Moats and I had some of those same conversations about running back and about tight end as well, too. Yeah. How uh, You know, hey, wouldn't hate adding a, a veteran running back to this equation at some point. Wouldn't hate adding another tight end. You know, while we, we obviously are all very high on Fryermuth and, and Zach Gentry has shown that he is a very capable number two, there's a lot of unknown behind those guys. And, again, it's it's football. It's a violent sport. It's not if. It's when injuries happen. You, you always need to have confidence in your depth and your reinforcements there. And that, to me, Tom, now you can you can add defensive line to, to that group as well, too. And I think, again, even more so, it was a unit that was already a little bit long in the tooth. Now, you, you did you did supplement that with the Marvin Leal, right? And um, Loudermilk's young, too. So Loudermilk is, is still, certainly, certainly still young as well, too. Um, but now, all of a sudden, you are you are really hope you know, if, if you're going with the group that is here right now, if we're just working with what we got, you're putting a pretty big contingency on everybody's health. And yes. that is... That's just a dangerous game to play. I think we we did. We saw that last year well, when, yeah, when Tuit wasn't there, when Alu Alu was out for the season in the in the first game, and then all of a sudden you you know you're picking guys off the New Orleans Saints practice squad and they're starting games for you. It, yeah, right. You, you don't want to be in that situation again. No, of course not. And you bring up the point of injuries. You know, we have to question how healthy Alu Alu really is. Yeah, right, he, he looks right. great right now, but this is you know gym class hero stuff. This is shorts and t shirt all stars. So. Yeah. We got to see how he's going to hold up when you know live bullets start to fly, like Mike Tomlin likes to say. I mean, everything checks out right now. Like if you're running your diagnostic checks on him, you, you're he's on path, he's on the right path, and yep. and you feel comfortable as of right now. But you just you never know until it actually starts to happen. So you have to have a little bit of worry in the back of your head about his health, especially if you overextend him and you have to play him more than you really wanted to play him. I'm looking at right now on spot track some of the the guys that are out there, and I think the the good thing that the Steelers have going for them is a little flexibility with both the guys that they have. Therefore, they can be a little flexible with the guy they bring in. Right, don't have to be boxed into a strictly D tackle. They could get a D end. They could get a D tackle. Move some guys around. But if you're looking to replace D ends, I mean, guys that are on the right side say, of give thirty. Me the, give me the give me the list there. Carl Nassib's out there from the Raiders. Okay. He's okay. He's 29, so that kind of fits, you know, the youth thing. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi's a D tackle from Cincinnati. He's 27. That fits the youth. Yeah, thing see, too. he's one I'd be very interested in, but he's got the health concern right? as well. To add that Liz Frank injury last year. The guy that you're going to hear nonstop now, Steelers Nation, go crazy about is Sue, obviously. Ooh, but that's not a direction that I, I want mean, to. You want to talk about age? Years I was going to say he's I mean, got to be. We just did the whole segment here talking about how Alu Alu's 35 and Hayward's 33, and we want to solve the problem by bringing in 35 year old Sue. Now he could still probably give you a pretty good year. But I don't know. I think if he was like your sixth man off the bench, to use a basketball analogy, yeah, I'd feel good about that. But not again, not asking him to play eighty some percent of the snaps. Or if the Steelers were say a team that won twelve games last year and were eyeing a Super Bowl, then bring in a veteran to kind of supplement your roster. But 
everything has told us in this offseason that this team is going younger. Every signing that they've made has been in the direction of youth. So, you know, if you're going to look at some of these free agent guys, I think you got to look on guys that are at least younger than 30 years old uh, to have any shot as far as the Steelers, you know, kicking the tires. And then to Karis McKinley from the Browns, he's 26, so there's a young guy there. But you can't just be young. You have to be effective as well. And these guys are still on the free agent market for a reason. Teams don't think they're as effective as some of the other right. guys that have been signed. Right, and that is, you know, that is certainly true as well, too. The guy um, that I like the most on this list, I think, is probably Nassib. I, I think he probably gives you the most upside. If 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 I and, and he'd be affordable, is, I bet. You know, this is the whole like I, ideal scenario thing. If I knew Ogan Ogan Joby was healthy, or at least would be at some point early in the season, throw you know, him at D tackle, put Alu Alu outside. I I, I would sign up for that yeah. right now. But those Liz Frank injuries are significant. They can linger. They can take a long time to your back. And if you if you make that move, right, Tom, then all of a sudden you're putting faith in Alu-Alu and Joby, both coming back from, you know, pretty significant injuries and both being able to stay healthy and, and give you, again, you know, that those 80%, 90% of snaps, all those things that we talk about. Um, listen, th- there's no easy answer here. No, there's not. The, the easy answer, right, was – Alu Alu and Tuit are both back. They're both healthy. They play 17 games. Right. You know, you have, you have a great defensive line, and you got T.J. Watt and uh, and Alex Highsmith coming off the edge. That was the easy answer for sure. But now, right, you, you've got to go about this um, as as really the first, you know, the first big test here for the new regime. And as you mentioned, you know, new chapter, new era. Um, this is going to be one of those moments, one of those you know moves or lack thereof potentially as well too. Um, that I think people are going to keep an eye on. We're going to discuss all season. You know, oh, this, no this this will be something that is is part of the storyline. And again, we all know we we've talked at nauseum about that run defense, how it needs fixed, and and you know, to it we were all um, you know thinking that that he was going to be able to be a catalyst of that. Uh, but Stefan retiring yesterday, age twenty nine, wishing him all the best uh, in his next stage of life. You know, it's this has happened to the Steelers. A decent amount lately, you know, in terms of retirements that maybe weren't shocking but were surprising, right? In terms of Vince Williams, I know David DeCastro technically wasn't, um, still hasn't, wasn't wasn't a retirement technically, right? But just his 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 release by the team, Stephon Tuitt, like this is this has happened a few times over the last few years. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how you know how they attack all this here in the in the coming months before the season starts. Isn't that so bizarre? Just you know, to wrap things up, go to break real quick but DeCastro still hasn't officially retired he is not like that that has been just a a random offshoot topic for the past two years that has just intrigued me so much it's just he has just been so quiet about everything I, I think he's gone for good I I would I would bet a lot of money on the fact that he's gone for good but you usually don't just have people kind of you know Irish goodbye the NFL Irish career goodbye. That's a good they one. don't right they don't but you also got to think you know it, it wouldn't surprise me if that's the way just because he's always seemed to me, and I don't want to go down a huge rabbit hole here, but just, you know, DeCastro, a West Coast guy from Stanford, highly educated, made good. Like, I could see him right. kind of just, hey, you know, not needing the, the rah-rah fading into black. Like, some guys, you know, that's just, they would rather just go out quietly. They would rather do the, the Irish exit. Uh, but, yeah, certainly for the Steelers, um, a, uh, a very, uh, let's say, challenging wrinkle as it relates to to the roster here and the run defense. Uh, and again, for Stefan Tuitt, all the best for him in this next stage of life. Um, 
as he as he moves on from his football career. Wesley Euler, Tom Offerman hanging out here at Steelers OTA, day number six. We're going to take our first break about 20 minutes from now. Brian Backo with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette will join us. Also in the noon hour, as always, we'll have some Steelers guests. We'll let you know who those guys are when we return as well. You're listening to the Steelers Blitz on SNR. Life's an adventure, and it's waiting. Hi, this is Merrill Hodge. At s Bank, they know life's for the living. That's why s Bank offers solutions to help you get the most out of it. Whether you're investing in your home, planning for the future, or just making the most of every day, s Bank is here to help. Learn how s Bank can help you live the life you want at stbank.com. Member FDIC. s Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by J.D. Power. For J.D. Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Wesley Euler, Tom Offerman with you here back at Steelers OTAs. It's practice number six for the Pittsburgh Steelers in this OTA phase. They'll have a few weeks off. Then it'll be rookie minicamp at the end of June. And then Mandatory couple- minicamp. Sorry. Not rookie. Sorry, Mandatory. sorry, you're right. Mandatory. You got to show up. Rookie minicamp happened already. Or else send the check in the mail. Mandatory, or else you're right, exactly, or else face a fine. Uh, mandatory minicamp at the end of June, and then, of course, a couple weeks off, and then everyone heads out to Latrobe for training camp. No official date yet, but that is usually sometimes towards the end of July, yeah, usually right. the, the last week in July at some point is when training camp opens. Thankfully, it will be that because we don't play in the Hall of Fame and game this year. And as well, which too, always I was, about I was just going to say, yes, the Hall of Fame game can always move those timelines up a little bit, but that is not the and case. With your Steelers, uh, it's never a guarantee that they're not in that thing. Ain't so. that the truth, Thomas. Um, I got a feeling... A couple <laughs> years. Maybe next year or yeah, two years from couple now. Years, We're back. Ben, ben Roethlisberger in there. Might <laughs> back not, in Canton, uh, baby. Might not take too long. Uh, Tom, one thing I did want to do that, that we didn't do in the first segment there, I did just want to read these statements from Stefan yeah. Tuitt and from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, Stefan Tuitt's statement yesterday, again, this was about 2 o'clock that this was announced. Uh, would have been on June 1st on Wednesday that Stefan Tuitt was retiring from the Steelers, retiring from the National Football League. He said, and I quote, With respect to the Steelers organization, my teammates and coaches, I would like to officially announce that I have come to the decision to retire from the NFL. I am thankful to have had the opportunity to represent the city of Pittsburgh for the past eight seasons and am blessed to leave this game with my health. After the tragic loss of my brother Richard and upon completing my degree from the University of Notre Dame, I know I am being called to move beyond the sport of football. I want to thank everyone for the love and support they have shown both on and off the field. And again, want to thank the Rooney family, Coach Tomlin, and the entire Pittsburgh Steelers organization. It was an honor and a privilege to play for this historic team. Go Steelers. That was the statement from Stephon Tuitt. And then shortly after, new general manager Omar Khan said... I want to thank Stefan for all he did for the Steelers during his eight-year career in Pittsburgh. His success both on and off the field speaks volumes for who he is as a person and a player. Stefan has always handled himself with class and maturity as he continues to be a great husband, father, son, and family man in his personal life. Now that he has informed us he is retiring from football, we are all thrilled to see what he becomes as a person and professional after graduating from Notre Dame this past month. We are excited for what lies ahead in his life and will continue to support him in any way we can. So those were the official announcements yesterday from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Tom, one thing that I, I did want to make sure to state here was just for people there, you know, I, I'm sure you saw it. There was a lot of reaction yesterday to this. Sometimes, man, it's bigger than, than the X's and O's for your favorite football team. You know, sometimes it's bigger than the win and loss column for, for your favorite teams. 
and I know a lot of Steelers fans are upset. They think, you know, Stephon drug this out, and he did this and that, yeah. and, and he's leaving the team high and dry, and, you know, why didn't he announce this last year and all those different things. Folks, I just I don't ever want to tell anybody how to be fans. I get it. You're emotionally invested. Some of you are financially invested in terms of season tickets and, and things like that as well, too. But you gotta, I think, have have some sympathy. I think you've gotta have the human element through all of this. I don't think that at the what would it have been the end of the 2020 season. So I guess right, Stefan's last game as a Pittsburgh Steeler, if I'm doing the math here correctly, Tom was the wild card loss to the Browns. Have to be. Yep. Like I don't think he was walking off the field that day thinking this is it for me. You know, no, no he, question. He's, he's clearly had a lot go on in his family life. And obviously, again, the, the knee injury as well, too. So I just wanted to make sure to say that just caution people. I know you can get fired up. I know, again, that you're emotionally, some of you financially invested in your teams and, and you care about the logo and you care about the win loss record. And, and you really wanted Stefan back and, and play in this season. But if you if you truly, I think, love your team, you, you care about the players as well, too. And this is just one of those kind of bigger than football moments for me. You don't have to be sugarcoating it, Wes. Fans suck. <laughs> I mean, they just do. They suck. They, they're, they're delusional people that don't understand that just because you sitting on your couch would give anything to be out there on Sundays and play for a team and, and play for 20-plus years in the NFL and be great, that doesn't mean that everybody has that same drive, that same dream. Yeah, Tuit had the drive and the dream to play in the NFL, or else he wouldn't have done it for as many years as he did and as successfully as he did. But sometimes football just ain't that important to people that you think it should be as important to. And I'm not trying to put words in Steph's mouth sure, and sure. say, oh, football's not important to me. But there's other things in people's lives that they want to pursue other than just being really good at playing football. Right. Some people want to just be really good at playing football, and that's their main drive, and that's what their passion is for the majority of their life. Some people want to do other things, and I think that it's not out of the question to speculate that Steph wants to do some other things. I got his degree from always Notre Dame. always been a bright The fact guy. that he mentioned yeah. the fact that he got his degree from Notre Dame and that being a really big driving factor in why he decided to step away, yeah. because that opens up a ton of opportunities for it him off the does. field now. So, yep. you know, just because you're sitting there on your couch and you think, man, he screwed the Steelers. you gotta, you got to tell him right away. You can't screw that team <laughs> he over. He should this. pay that money back. He should pay all the money back with interest compounded. I mean, this is just ridiculous. I mean, just think for a second that maybe football's not the most important thing to step to it right now in his life. And then think, why do you care about what other people do so much? And also, while it might not be the most important thing in Stephon Tewitt's life right now, he's given more to football. Football has meant, has meant more to him. Than, than anyone who's, you know, sitting at home and watching. Isn't it surprising that he's never been a pro bowler? It or, is. Or, an, or even an all-pro team? Because there is stretches when I see him play when he has been healthy. I thought he was the best football player defensively maybe Buddy, in the he league. Had, like, he had some moments where he was a dominant force. In 2019, I think it was, before he went down that season, he was the defensive player of the year. Like, and that no one defense was so good. Yep. No one could even block him for a millisecond. He was in the backfield so fast. If he would have stayed healthy and played at that kind of level for an entire 16 game season back then, I think he would have been deep boy. I really do. He was unblockable. And then, of course, the injury, I think he tore his pec. Right. And he's out for the year. Right. Yeah. Someone I forget who it was. I, you know, I always do this. I like to give people credit, but I forget who it was. Someone posted. It, it's funny you mentioned that season. Someone posted just a few clips, like two or three clips from that year, and it was like him with a sack on Russell Wilson, him with a sack on like somebody else, 
and it's just just the physical dominance. You know what I mean? Uh, Stefan Tuit was just ragdolling, just putting guards on roller skates and pushing them right back into their quarterback before the, the play even had a chance to develop at all. Yeah, uh, uh, he he certainly had some some great moments in the black and gold. And, you know, if, if you do want to stick on just the football side here, Tom, I think the, the one thing that is kind of just a bummer from that standpoint is that Cam Hayward, Stefan Tuit, TJ Watt, kind of just those three studs in the trenches – you didn't get a ton of time. With you don't see him again, yeah. Bud, Bud Dupree as well, too. You know, when when he was here, like just all them with their with their different injuries and, and things like that. You didn't see a lot of them together. But man, when you did, they were they were a dominant. You, you know, you mentioned that 2019 season. I think when Ben Roethlisberger goes down, what was it, six quarters into that year? Yeah. A lot of people were like, all right, well, you know what? Hey, you're you're gonna stink up the joint. You're gonna win three or four games. You'll have a top ten pick. What did the Steelers do? They they doubled down yeah, because they, they knew yeah. how good the defense was. They traded for Minka, um, and because of that defense, at one point they were eight and five. Now they finished eight and eight, and they they didn't have the end of the season that they wanted to. Obviously, injuries to Mason Rudolph, going back and forth between him and and Duck didn't help either. But just I think for for you know for Steelers fans, it's it's got to be. You know, there's there's just got to be some empathy in this moment. That's it. I we 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 all know it's for for the on field product for the Steelers. It's not the best outcome, uh, but for Stephon Tuitt, it's like you said at the at the top of the show, something that he clearly like he didn't wake up yesterday and just okay, I'm going to retire. Like this is no, of course this not. is clearly something that has been on his heart, on his mind that he's been weighing for a long time. Um, and I just, again, yeah, I would I would stress empathy above all else in these situations. And by the way, for you Steeler fans out there that might be having the tone of, oh, he screwed the team over, by him waiting to officially announce until June 1st, good, good he point. was able to spread the cap hit out for the next two seasons now. So he did help the Steelers out in that regard on his way out the door. Maybe the team had a little influence in that as well, saying, hey, maybe you could do us this favor. But it's two-way street. He's got to agree to do him that favor as well, even if they were the ones that brought it up. Correct. And he clearly did agree to do him that favor. So uh, for all of you, oh, he disrespected the team, he disrespected the logo on his way out the door, people out there, maybe take a, a little bit to think about that, that he was able to wait until June 1st, and then you can spread that cap hit around for a couple years, which is massive because he was a very well-paid player he as was. far as that cap was concerned he was he absolutely was we know the Steelers ha- have the most money devoted to the defensive side of the football across the National Football League right now no, number um, 90 has a lot to do with that number as well. 90 certainly has a lot to do with that 97 is making some some nice change himself yeah Stefan Tuitt was uh was was one of the higher paid players on the roster I think particularly in the offseason now since there's been so much turnover little silver lining here too yeah yeah Minka money now becomes a little bit more open that you didn't really have. I mean, I don't think that they were going to need it to become open. I think they have their Minka money already lined up. That's a good point. But now you've got a little extra now, so maybe it's a little bit easier to float that $17.5 million a year over Minka's way because you know you've got that extra step to it money now in the back of your pocket. I like the way you're thinking. Just looking for silver linings here, you know. Uh, Steelers lost a hell of a player. They 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 did lose a hell of a player. There's no doubt about that. But I think we've we've got confidence that Stephon Tuitt is uh, is going to do great things uh, beyond his football career. Just 29 years old, whole bunch of life in front of him. We wish him all the best. We wish his family all the best. Um, and the organization, you know, as as they stated in that statement, will will obviously continue to support him. Yeah. the entire. Oh, way. he'll be around. He he, I, he will be around. I do not think we've seen the last of Stefan Tuitt. We might have seen the last of him. We have seen the last of him more than likely, uh, unless he has a change of heart over the next year or something on the football field. Uh, but I do not think we have 
heard the last of him, seen the last of him, certainly as it relates to Stefan Tuitt, the human being, and the things that, that he will do now with the rest of his life. Tom Offerman, Wesley Euler, hanging out here in Mr. Rooney's backyard. Steelers OTAs day number six. We're going to take a break here. We'll close out the 10 o'clock hour with our buddy Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette when we return on the other side, get all his thoughts on the Stefan Tuitt uh, retirement announcement and where the Steelers go from here. You're listening to ongoing OTA coverage on SNR. Closing out the first hour of OTA coverage here on day number six. Wesley Euler, Tom Offerman's in for Arthur Motes on the Steelers Blitz this morning. Kind enough to join us here once again. And our good friend of the show, Mr. Brian Backo. You hear him with us here just about every single week. Covers the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He is with us here and in person live on location. Mr. Backo, how we doing? Uh, doing good. I uh, went to a nice little church festival last night with the kid. Did and you? Won, won some prizes. Not a, we didn't win every game. I mean, there were some some throwing games. There was a football one. I you know, 0 for 3. I'm like, sorry, buddy. I, I wish your dad was Kenny Pickett, but he's no, not. No, don't, don't be sorry. You know those games are cheap, right? Oh, they're they extremely cheap. They're right? extremely yeah, The hole is yeah. too small. The football doesn't actually fit through yeah. it. Yeah. I didn't see anybody win it. And then there was like, you know. <laughs> of you, course not. You have to knock down like those, uh, like, cats or whatever they are. And yes, I know exactly. The, the one time I got about. one, which was a small prize, and the second time, 0 for 3 again. I'm like. Sorry, buddy, I wish your dad was Clayton Kershaw, but what are you going to do? <laughs> the one where you hit it 90 miles per hour right in the cat's nose, and it still doesn't go down. Exactly. So you're telling me you can't throw a football through a car wash and it won't get wet? No, I don't think anybody would uh, <laughs> would have that on my scouting report. <sighs> Mr. Backo, let's get right into it with you, buddy, here. As always, plenty that we want to discuss with you. The announcement yesterday of Stefan Tuitt, his retirement at 2 o'clock. Uh, on Wednesday, it became official. It was announced by the Steelers uh, follow, with a statement by Stefan, followed by one by new general manager Omar Khan. Uh, were you surprised? No. I mean, I, I'd been saying for a while now that in terms of his return, I'll believe it when I see it, unfortunately. And certainly nothing against him. I mean, would never try to tell a guy when he should or shouldn't hang him up. I mean, if if you're trying to tell Stefan to it, he retired too young at the age of 29 um, I don't know what's wrong with you because that's his life and and not yours so um, but I wasn't surprised Wes because I just you know it's been a long time since he's been visible in any sort of way and I generally think that when people kind of vanish into thin air like that they mm. they don't really want to be found so uh, I hope that he has found you know what's what's right for him and obviously that's a career uh, beyond football as he put it in his statement, and as, as far as the Steelers go, I mean, I know we're going to get into that. I feel like they've already kind of been building the roster, uh, you know, in a, if he comes back, great, but if not, we're, we're a little bit prepared for it scenario. I, I, I do think they're a little bit prepared for it, but don't you think it might be good for them to maybe go back out into the free agent heap and grab another player? I, I know they don't want to get someone that's too old because that's not the direction that they're going right now. So you don't want to go out and get like a Sue or somebody like that. He's he's too old past it. But I don't know. The guys that we looked up with like Carl Nassib, who's tw 29, or Ogan Joby, I know he has the injury problems, so you don't want to maybe and risk some, that. In a history of bad blood with the Steelers. It, well, sometimes you bring him over here <laughs> and it changes. Maybe you'll have bad blood with the Bengals now, too. Mm. But I, I don't Plus know. Plus Pouncey and DeCastro are gone. Well, it was mainly Pouncey. <laughs> and that yeah, yeah, he won't, he won't yeah. butt heads with him anymore. But I, I don't know. I just feel like it might be more comfortable if you had another piece into that you know equation. You're, you're more comfortable if you have another piece everywhere, though, Tom. I mean, mm. I, I look at the defensive line room, and I feel like they've got six NFL-capable players there right now, and that's generally how many they carry on the 53-man roster throughout the season. 
when they did take DeMarvin Leal in the third round, I had some questions about, you know, positional fit and readiness, but it did signal to me that, you know, they aren't counting on, on Tua to be back, right? So they went out, they, they brought back Montrevious Adams this offseason. You know, that's something that they could have waited to do, but they were fairly eager, mm-hmm. so they, they must mm-hmm. like something about him playing that nose position. I, you know, he showed some good get-off last year, replacing Tyson Alualu uh, in, what, December when they picked him up. So, And Alualu himself is is possibly the biggest you know acquisition that, that they can make it on that defensive line. I really like Isaiah Loudermilk, too, guys. I was going to say, you think they still have high hopes yeah, for him? Yeah, and, and I think like with him and Chris Wormley, maybe you have a duo where you know Wormley on the uh, – or excuse me, Loudermilk on the early downs – Hmm. Wormley coming in on the passing downs where he can use that juice that helped him get, what, seven and a half sacks last year. I believe it was seven, but yeah. You're, Sorry. You're, no, Sometimes you, you, I give guys half, half an extra sack. Wes will keep me in line. I missed. I messed up Jay Samaro and Jay Sternberger yesterday oh. for like five minutes, so don't you worry. I, I thought I was the only person who thought those were the same people. But anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, so career-high seven sacks last year for Wormley. Obviously, he was something was clicking for him. But Loudermilk, fellas, I mean, I'm sure he'll be a, a hot – person to talk to uh today after practice in the locker room but right. me being the intrepid reporter that i am i was ahead of the game and talked to him on uh i think it was tuesday maybe um he, he said he he really worked on uh you know building up his body this off season that he's now 305 maybe pushing 310 and it's all good weight it's all muscle so hmm. uh he thought he came in light last year and as we all know nobody really expected him to play as big of a role as he did with no to it and uh, i think he's going to be more equipped to handle that this year, he does think that the niche that he can carve out for this team is helping out against the run. Do you see uh, Alu Alu bump into the end spot to take over for Tuit, and then having someone like a Wormley or a Loudermilk platoon in the nose tackle spot, or do you think they'll keep Alu Alu at nose and try to replace uh, someone else on the end side? No, I, I think you keep Alu Alu at nose, and maybe in your sub packages, your nickel, your dime, you know, you, you can play him as one of the two down linemen along with Cam Hayward, but. Uh, I think when you're in your base, I mean, you, you keep Alu-Alu there. He's comfortable there. He's been really good there, uh, knock on wood, as long as he comes back healthy from that ankle injury. Right. And uh, Wormley and Loudermilk, I think, are your, you know, built like your typical Steelers defensive ends. I, I don't know that I quite see that from Leal. I mean, certainly the guy can bulk up a bit and uh, look the part a little bit more once he gets in the NFL uh, strength training program and, you know, puts on that good weight. But uh, he, he's another one who I think maybe – is specialized a little bit you know maybe you put him in on those passing downs and let him use that pass rushing ability that gave him check me on this one Wes eight sacks last year at Texas A&M do you have DeMarvin Leal's college I think it might have been eight and a half (laughs) oh geez I gave his sack to Chris Wormley Wormley. what am I doing over here but uh yeah I mean my point (laughs) is I think he does have a ways to go to kind of get that physique that you want to succeed at this level but I mean that's what this offseason is going to be about for him and um, you know, to, to your question again, Tom, about do they need to add somebody, I, I think you've got pieces in place to bridge that gap to when Leal is, is ready. Hmm. And uh, I just – I wouldn't rush out to the free agent market, but, you know, we know injuries happen, so you'd be leaving yourself a little thin there in, in that case. So, uh, yeah, I'll be curious to see why uh, or what the timing of this to-it news was. Did, you know, did they give him a June 1st deadline? We'll probably never know that. We know that the salary cap equation changes a little bit Mm -hmm. at this point in the NFL calendar, so they're going to save more with that post-June 1 designation. And, yeah, that that gives them a little bit more freedom uh, to to sign somebody else that they otherwise wouldn't have had. Do you have any 
feeling that maybe Leal knocks their socks off at camp and he gets himself into the rotation more than you're anticipating right now? I think it's possible, especially because, I mean, the guy was a five-star talent coming yeah. out of high school. Third-round pick's not that bad. I mean, Yeah, exactly. I mean, Kevin Colbert always selection. says they, they expect those guys to become starters uh, at least at some point in their career. And, I mean, he was thought very highly of this time a year ago at A&M. So I, I think the talent is there, and it's just going to be a matter of, you know, how quickly can he get up to speed. We, we know that it's – Oftentimes, tough for rookies to make a big difference uh, in this defense, and you know that was that was the case for Devin Bush. They kind of had to bring him along a little bit slowly a couple years ago. Uh, Terrell Edmonds got thrown right into the fire, but I mean, you think back, Cam Hayward when he was coming up as a young D lineman, Stephon Tuit, same thing. I mean, these guys weren't setting the world on fire uh, right out of the gate, so uh, I don't think they're necessarily planning on that for Leal. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess he's he's in a position where he could surprise come Latrobe. Eight and a half was the number for Leal in terms of sacks. So he and Chris Wormley combined for 15 and a half sacks ah, last year. Now you're quite, talking. I'm quite sure of that. Twelve and a half tackles for loss and a forced fumble for Leal in the SEC as well, too. Is do you so let me ask you this then. It seems like you think that the Steelers approach is going to be uh, to replace Stephon Tuitt by committee as opposed to just giving one person yeah, that role. Yeah, I, I don't think they have a player the caliber of of twenty twenty Stephon Tuitt. The last cool. time we saw him, uh, which you know, I, I which was his best year of his. I career. was going to say, I was thinking yesterday, his best year in his last year. Yeah. So sometimes you really just never know. Uh, he was such a uh, such a wrecking ball that season, um, and, and was durable too. I think he only missed one game. He did, so, Fifteen games. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's a shame from that perspective. And yeah, you're you're not going to have a one for one guy. Um, to, to replace somebody who was playing at an all-pro level the way he was. But, um, you know, Wormley and, and Loudermilk, I think, are are solid. And it, it's it's really going to be, I mean, that pass-rushing production from Tuitt, tough to replace for sure. But, I mean, T.J. Watt is... It, hey, he even, led the league in sacks. I was going to say, he's even seasons. more of a monster than he was in 2020. I think Alex Highsmith is, is going to be in for a bigger year. I like what I'm seeing out of him here at OTAs and you know the bigger question then is maybe that run defense and not having to it for that but I mean I, I think your second level guys can can step up and help in a lot of ways there and um, again you know louder milk that's that's kind of his bread and butter to begin with and we know that Tyson Aluwalu was was super stout uh, the last couple seasons when healthy so um, you know that's that's going to be uh, th that, that was going to be a storyline or a question mark sure, or weakness sure. regardless of of the personnel even if to it was back so um I, I don't think the calculus has changed too much for me since yesterday but it it is some some closure uh from something that fans have been wondering about for uh, almost a year now let me ask you this then because you know tom and i we did have a little bit of a conversation about you know just do you do you stick with what you got would you consider adding if you could have, you know, if, if you were, if you're, if you're Omar Khan, right, Mr. Bacco, and you can, you can add. I wish I had that paycheck. <laughs> at one, at one, uh, at one position group by training camp, during training camp, running back, tight end, or defensive line. If you could bring in a, a veteran type player to, to add to supplement to those rooms, which would you, which would you say would be the priority in your eyes? You know, running back is, is mighty interesting to me. You know, I was thinking last year around this time, would it make sense to go out and get somebody who could be part backup, part mentor to Najee like, Harris? Like an adult, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but right. like an adult in the room. Yeah. Right, and, and they are really young. But just from you know watching him, talking to other players about him, 
I don't know that Najee Harris needs that. Right. I, I think he's I think he's got his head in the right place, and um, you know he's he's grabbing that leadership uh, mantle the the way you want a second year guy and a uh, face of your offense to do. So um, you know I, I guess I would say running back or D line. I'm I'm pretty okay at tight end. Uh, your guy Jay Sternberger is <laughs> you know doing just fine, and you know Kevin Rader and Connor Hayward. So they, they've they've got some numbers there for that number three tight end role. Um, you know, I, I don't put a ton of stock into the running backs behind Najee Harris. Like, I think that's a part of the roster where you can afford to go pretty cheap because you're not going to be using those guys all that much. So Ideally, not yeah. a knock Ideally. on wood. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess to out of those three, I'd probably say running back still. But uh, I see where you're coming from with the the defensive line question. My my only response would be then, you know, who's the odd man out of of that right. group if you right. do that? You'd, uh, you'd be letting go of a pretty good player, I think. I'm sure you're We're well trying to stash him on practice squad. Yeah, right. right. I'm sure you're well aware of people being up in a tizzy about Kenny Pickett being number three on the OTA depth chart still for the second week in a row. Anything to read into that at all, or do you think come training camp he'll be number two? No, I think this is this is OTAs. That's that's really all it is. It's it's not May anymore. It's now June second, right? <laughs> but um, I, I wouldn't uh, read too much into that. Uh, and I like from talking to Kenny a couple days ago think he's very understanding of that not bristling at it maybe you know deep down probably the competitor in him is like i want to be the one and i want it to happen which is probably as, what the steelers are trying to as design. soon as it can happen yeah and i mean i think he understands that uh it's it's been five years since he was the new guy on any team right. so uh i'm sure he's taken a fresh approach to uh to what that process is like so i don't uh i don't read into that much i, I think by the time the reps really matter if you will uh, he he will be the number two, and you know I don't know what that will mean for Mason Rudolph. But uh, you know I was talking to him yesterday, guys, and you know it sounds like he is very understanding of. Hey, I'm out here trying to win a job, but I do have a small role to play beyond the the coaches with the you know growth and development of a young quarterback who's going to have the occasional question, bounce a thought off me, uh, and I'm not going to kind of turn my back to him. I'll be open to questions. So seems like things are pretty healthy in that room depth chart spots uh, notwithstanding not doing the Ryan Tannehill thing like down there that's down there that's what I brought up to him this yeah isn't I mean, my job <laughs> yeah I mean I brought up that brought that up to Mason as you know that, that's something that's been a storyline around the league and I mean even Tannehill that was a lot softer quote than what I, got I, blown I think up so too. Um, yeah when you actually and I would say it's a it. similar you know situation to what Ben said four years ago when Rudolph was drafted it was um, you know a little bit of prickliness in there but also a lot of uh, joking I think but either way it does speak to that delicate dynamic of older quarterbacks working with younger quarterbacks who are clearly brought in here to eventually be that guy wanted to ask you too since you are the uh you know the three of us you're the you're the the savvy news hound here you're the you're the real journalist um any conversation amongst the wide receivers you know Deontay Johnson back this week and that's another really young position group everybody in in that uh, group is either still on their rookie contract or was just brought in by the Steelers as a free agent. Um, any sense of the the younger wide receivers being excited about Deontay being here, having a veteran ish guy to look towards? Yeah, I think the the lay of the land in that position group is you know Johnson's kind of the guy that everybody measures themselves up to based right, on the production. Right. He leads by example. He's that new. AB in terms of hardest working guy in the room, I think. Um, you know, that's certainly what we've seen from him the last couple years as he's tried to, 
you know, deal with those drop issues. And uh, he has. He has improved in that regard. He's not a vocal guy. He, he always says that. He'll be the first to tell you that. He's not a real rah-rah leader in that way, but he does want to lead by example. So I think players look to him for that, and they, they are going to study his craft and try to pattern it. I think the more outspoken player for that group will be Chase Claypool. And he okay. said, uh, you know, a little bit after I talked to, to you fellas last Thursday once we got in the locker room, that feels like this is the most his voice is being actively heard on the team. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's, you know, not necessarily meaning up the flagpole to the coaches in front office, but more so to the other players who are saying Chase is in his third year now. He kind of understands how things work and the standard more. Um, you know, we're, we're going to kind of follow his lead in, in that sense. And that, that is what the, the Steelers receivers need. We know they don't have much of a veteran presence to speak of unless you want to, you know, chalk that up to players like Gunnar Olszewski and Miles Boykin, who they've been in the league longer, but they haven't been here. I don't want to chalk it up to that. Thank players. you, Tom. So, um, <laughs> so I think Claypool is, uh, is, is rounding into form as far as that goes. And, you know, to be honest, you, you have to play well to get that kind of respect and, and clout as a leader for any position group. But um, so as long as he as long as he plays well and does it on the field and continues to mature in, in a lot of ways, but I'm getting the sense that he has, then to me he does strike me as somebody who can uh, kind of seamlessly fit into that um, you know leader of the pack, so to speak. What about the number four spot? Because I think one through three, Chase, Deontay, and Pickens is pretty pretty locked in as long as they develop the way that they should. Pickens, I mean, and they stay healthy through training. But who's camp the process. who's the slot in that top three? There, Deontay. What I would wonder. He's never played the slot for the Steelers. I mean, it doesn't seem like they want to mess with what he does on the outside. You know, I think Claypool. You could see more of him in there. Pickens said he did it in Georgia, but he's an outside in practice. Guy, though, he's right? an outside. I, mean, yeah. I think. You look at the guy, yes, yeah. I, I think that's what he's built to do. So, um, you know, I, that, that's a, a storyline, I think, is how they figure, you know, how do they allocate the roles in that room? You know, can Claypool play inside, or does somebody like Pickens have to be in more of a complementary role until he either figures out a fit or somebody else is off the team? Forces his fit. By or, being yeah, or that, yeah. or, um, you know, does... Can, can a Calvin Austin uh, slide in here and help you right away? And that's a guy that And that could would be the answer to your question. Is he the number yeah. four? Yeah. Is Gunner locked in because of his kick and punt returning abilities? I think so. But, you know, if Calvin Austin shows he can return kicks, right. uh, which he didn't do at Memphis really, then, you know, maybe that threatens Gunner's roster spot. But I, I like what I've seen out of Gunner so far. I, I think he's a shifty player that they haven't really had at, at that position in, in terms of the short area quickness and things of that nature. I think Austin can be that, but he was more of an outside guy at Memphis. So there's going to be a learning curve for him moving into the slot. And, uh, you know, even another guy to keep an eye on. I don't know that he'll make the team in the end, but I think he will open eyes at training camp with just always being open is Tyler Sneed from East hmm. Carolina was hmm. signed as a tryout player yep. from rookie camp. And he's very small, maybe even a little smaller than Calvin Austin <laughs> as I look at them side by side right now. But, um, you know, if you're that small, you got to be quick, and Absolutely. he is quick. He is shifty. Brian Backer with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, kind enough to give us some of his time here at OTA practice on the south side. Partner, we appreciate you. You're welcome, guys. There he goes, Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Make sure you're showing him some love there, checking out his work. He does not do cap, and he has not changed his number since the seventh grade. One hour in the books, two more hours to go for Tom and I. It's the Steelers Blitz live at OTAs on SNR. 
Life's an adventure, and it's waiting. Hi, this is Merrill Hodge. At ST Bank, they know life's for the living. That's why ST Bank offers solutions to help you get the most out of it. Whether you're investing in your home, planning for the future, or just making the most of every day, ST Bank is here to help. Learn how ST Bank can help you live the life you want at stbank.com. Member FDIC. ST Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by JD Power. For JD Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards.